Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist Woolless Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. If you're listening to the Anarchist World this week for the first time on your local community radio station around Australia and your radio station doesn't broadcast us regularly, contact the Community Radio Federation, knock on the door of the manager of your local community radio station and have the Anarchist World this week, only one of two live programs on the Community Radio Network broadcast live into your home now. Anarchy. What is it all about? Anarchism. Anarchos without rulers. How do you create a society without rulers? You attack divisions of power and divisions of wealth. Very simple. Inequalities in power and wealth is what give rulers their power. What's an anarchist? Well, an anarchist, in my opinion, this is only a humble opinion of a megalomaniac, uh, an anarchist is somebody who is involved in the struggle to improve people's lives by devolving power, sharing power, and by sharing wealth. So I assume that includes 99.96% of our listeners. Now, you're all wondering what happened on the weekend, aren't you? What happened on Saturday? All shocked. Well, I want to be serious about this because this is a great period of opportunity because what we have seen is a once-in-a-generation fight back by conservatives and reactionaries to destroy any chances of reform in this country, reform involving serious issues like climate change, inequalities in wealth, inequalities in power. And look, I accept the result. You know, I accept the result. But I don't accept the reasons for the result. And I'd like to thank my fellow Australians, all those who voted for Conservatives and Reactionaries during the federal election, for doing a number of things. One, I'd like to thank them for ensuring that people like me can buy two or three homes and get a tax deduction legally. I'd like to thank... Uh, Australians, for ensuring that people like me can have a few million dollars in our superannuation fund and get credits 
you know, gifts from the federal government for owning shares, irrespective of how many shares we have in our superannuation fund. I'd like to thank my fellow Australians for ensuring that those 30% of Australians who rely on Social Security benefits to survive will be kept in their place and exploited for the next three years. I'd like to thank my fellow Australians for ensuring that the 750,000 children living in poverty continue to live in poverty and their numbers grow. I would like to thank my fellow Australians for for ensuring that all those poorly paid casual workers in the uh, so-called hospitality industry and uh, shopping centres continue to have their overtime payments removed. That's a good one. I'd like to thank my fellow Australians for ensuring that trade unionists in this country are treated as criminals in the courts. I'd like to thank my fellow Australians for ensuring that corporate Australia and multinational and transnational corporations continue to pay peppercorn rents and royalties. I'd like to thank my fellow Australians for ensuring that the privatisation agenda continues. I'd like to thank my fellow Australians for guaranteeing that those little brats in public schools don't get as much money as those nice kiddies in private schools. I'd like to thank my fellow Australians to, to, for all these and many, many, many things. This was an interesting election. And I think it, what it highlights is the increasing divisions that are occurring in Australia. But what it highlights even more importantly is to what extent conservatives and reactionaries will go to in this country to win elections. Now, look, I'd like to congratulate Mr Shorten for putting up a mildest reformist agenda. And remember, this was not a radical agenda. It was a mildest reformist agenda which revolved around removing negative gearing rights for investors who are buying old homes, not for new homes and not for people who already had property negative geared, and for removing franking credits, which is a gift the government gives you for owning shares, for people who are not on pensions. Now, these were very mild reforms which were put up to the Australian people. But for months, what we saw was a concerted effort by the mass media in this country, the Murdoch media, led by the Murdoch media, by large segments of the social media, to muddy the waters regarding this campaign. And we were told that rents would go up, housing prices would drop. We were told that death duties would be introduced. We were told that pensioners would have money taken out of their accounts. We were told that self-funded retirees would be sent bankrupt and the list goes on and on and on. And the tragedy is that a lot of people bought this, these lies and innuendos and falsehoods. They bought them lock, stock and barrel especially the people of Queensland. And I'd like to explain why. This country has changed. This country has changed. 
When you compare Mr. Hawke with Mr. Short, and everybody calls Mr. Hawke a legend. Now, Mr. Hawke was the father of the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation revolution, which has laid waste this country for a significant segment of the population over the last 40-plus years. Mr Shorten at least attempted to take the Australian people in another direction, a mildly reformist direction. That's right, a mildly reformist direction. So why why did people think that their earth was going to come to an end? Why did people think that climate change really isn't an issue? And the question is about is all, is all about jobs. Now you've got to understand that Queensland is the most decentralised state in this country. Most people in the other states and territories live in the capital city. In Queensland, only 50% of people live in Brisbane. The rest live in regional centres. And these regional centres have been suffering the twin problem of drought and lack of jobs. And in a capitalist society, if you don't have a job, if you don't have an income for six weeks, your world comes crashing down. You can't pay the rent. You can't pay the mortgage. And many people in these regional centres are facing a real existential crisis and a, a real crisis as far as their livelihoods and futures are concerned. But the tragedy is that these people think that their future is assured and insured by a Liberal National Party government. And the most horrendous aspect of the result was the fact that the 16 National Party House of Representatives members were re-elected, that not one independent got up in the regional centres. Quite extraordinary, unless you call Indi a regional centre, and they've got a history of a nine-year history of independence now. But the thing is, this is the tragedy. The very people... The very people that have destroyed regional Australia by pursuing a corporate, an agricultural corporatisation agenda, by destroying the cooperatives that have been set up over decades to protect uh, farming people, by closing down small farms, by raping the rivers, that these people were returned to office. The Liberal National Party has nothing to offer regional Australia, especially regional Queenslanders, except platitudes. And what we will see over the next three years with increasing temperatures, increasing drought, increasing cyclones, decreased investment in these areas, what we will see is an increase in the pauperisation of regional Australia and regional Queensland. We will see this because irrespective of whether the Morrison-led Liberal National Coalition has been elected in the House of Representatives and has got a, uh, is not a majority in the Senate, irrespective, irrespective, they neither have the tools or the will or the desire 
to cross their mates. And you can only fool some of the people some of the time. You can't fool all of the people all of the time. And although many people voted in a way that didn't reflect their best interests this time, I don't expect the same to occur in three years' time, although I've been wrong plenty of times before. Because the politics of division do not create wealth. The politics of division which have been pursued by this government over the past six years create dislocation. And we are facing in this country an existential problem which everybody is facing around the world. Mechanisation, computerisation, industrialisation, the IT revolution, artificial intelligence means that we no longer need people to run for society to function. So this division of wealth based on the type of work you're able to do is a concept which is no longer relevant or current in our society. Because irrespective of so-called fake you know, uh, job creation programs, irrespective of the degree of investment, irrespective of whether the Adani mine uh, works or not, the number of jobs is minimal, maybe a 1,000, maximal, 1,500, maybe at the very top. So those job create because everything is highly mechanised. We don't need people anymore to create wealth. Now, the Roman Empire faced the same problem over 2,000 years ago. Has the Roman Empire expanded and slaves took over the role of the plebeians in Roman society, three labour took over the role, and the plebeians were pushed out of work, and they were no longer, although they were part of the political class, they were no longer needed for that society to function. The Roman Empire, in order to quell revolts by its own people, did a number of things. It provided subsidised housing, free food, and over 240 days of public entertainment in the Colosseum and other Colosseums around Italy to keep people, you know, the old bread and circuses routine. Now, we face the same problem. We no longer need every person on in this country to work in order to, for the society to function, grow, expand because of mechanisation. So the time has come to look at some radical alternatives as far as the economy is concerned. And one of those is a basic living wage for everybody. A basic living wage. Remove all the divisive social security benefits which people are given and give everybody over the age of 18 a basic living wage. And then people can either augment that basic living wage by working or they can, um, you know, live on that basic living wage. So how do you fund it? It's simple. Now looks, let's look at what people, the Australian people, voted for. They voted for voluntary 
taxation for the corporate sector. They voted for negative gearing, which means if you own more than one property, you can actually claim a tax deduction for that second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, hundredth property. They voted for the government giving shareholders gifts every year for holding shares from public money. So what we are seeing is as un and they voted for extraordinary tax cuts, which ensure that somebody earning $40,000 a year and $200,000 a year pays exactly the same rate of taxation, 30%. Thinking that somehow this would resolve the issues that we face. This does not resolve any of the issues that we face. None whatsoever. It does not resolve them. It doesn't even go 1% towards resolving them. So that's the dilemma. If you make decisions which reward corporations and the ruling class and the upper class in this society time and time again, if you structure your laws in such a way as to ensure they continue, their wealth and power continues to grow and the wealth and power of the working poor, people on basic incomes, the 30% of Australians who rely on Social Security benefits to survive, then the only way that that country can go forward is by continuing to screw wage earners by denying them wage rises, this is what we are seeing today, by harassing, criminalising, marginalising trade unionists, by marginalising, criticising people on Social Security benefits as bludgers. I couldn't believe it. One day after the election result was uh, in, Mr. Alan Tudge was talking about was talking about welfare, alcohol, fuel, violence in Aboriginal communities. The attacks have started, and they've started, and they will continue, because the only way to make the books balance over the next three years is to continue to attack people who rely on social security benefits to survive, to continue to strip away the award rates and wages that working people are paid, to continue to strangle the National Disability Insurance Scheme so that people with disabilities don't get the care they should get in this society, to continue... To marginalise, criticise, humiliate people who somehow are pushed in the loser character category. But the storm clouds are gathering and they will continue to gather because this government has an economic policy which will 
only increase division in this country. And they have may have fooled some of the people some of the time on Saturday and during the three-week pre-polling period. But whether they continue to do that, irrespective of their friends in the corporate-owned media and the government guild at ABC, what will happen is that that underlying anger will boil over. When it'll boil over, how it'll boil over, I don't know. But as we see unemployment rates increase, as we see the pressures on people in Social Security benefits increase, as the basic card is introduced uh, around this country, as we see taxation revenue drying up, irrespective of tax cuts, which they think people will then reinvest in consumption and the in consumer goods. But the problem is that mortgages are so high that most of that extra money will go to cover mortgage increases. So we have a dilemma. So should I be getting out the razor blades and, uh, you know, slashing my wrists? Should I be thinking about immigrating to the south of France? I don't know what the French immigration laws are like. I think it's tough as here. Should I book a seat on the next rocket to Mars? No. 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 Why not? Listen on. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. 3cr.org.au. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can leave messages on 0439395489. If you don't leave a message, I can't get back to you. You can go to my Twitter stream, Pibsi, P-I-B-C-I underscore A-U. You can look at the YouTube channel, Public Interest Before Corporate Interests. My Facebook pages, Toscano for the Public, or just Joseph Toscano. You can go to the Anarchist Moon Institute website, anarchistmedia.org. You can go to the Pibsi website, Pibsi, P-I-B-C-I dot net, and Pibsi stands for Public Interests Before Corporate Interests. So there are many ways via which you can interact, many, many ways. We see technology both as liberating and constraining, constraining in terms of people no longer thinking about issues, accepting the garbage that you see on social media to a significant degree as gospel truth. Gospel truth. So, if you're listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast via the Community Radio Network across this country, why do I think this is a period of unparalleled opportunity? I'll tell you why. Now, I've been involved with public interest before corporate interest, being one of the foundation members in February 2015. Now, public interest before corporate interest was set up to be registered as a federal political party. And we have found that going tough, 
over the last four years. We only currently have we have about 420 members and about 394 are on the electoral roll. We need 550 members to be able to be registered as a political party. Now, I'd like to look at this state elect, this federal election because it shows some very, very, very interesting uh, dynamics. Now, when we were created, we were not interested in competing with the Greens. We were not interested in competing with the Labor Party. We were interested in the growing number of people who were disillusioned with the current political process. The very people who vote for the divided nation and the Yellow Party, whose preferences were critical to the re-election of the Morrison-led coalition. These are the people we are interested in. Those that are disillusioned, those that are not engaged, those who think all effort is a waste of time. Because we think it's this group of people that can actually change the political agenda, cultural and social agenda in this country. The one important thing about the election on Saturday was not the election of the Morrison-led coalition, a government with no vision, no policies, no way forward. The important thing was the destruction of the idea that you can put radical ideas or even mildly reformist ideas to the Australian public and they will reject them at the ballot box. Because if you look at the ballot papers across this country in the Senate and the House of Representatives, the one thing that was missing was a broad-based left-wing party which could channel preferences to the Greens and the ALP. Because what we saw was the ALP and the Greens on one side and on the other side an array of conservative forces, preference in the Liberal National Party. Because what this election loss will do... It will, it will set this country back a decade because none of the major political par- opposition parties will dare to put forward reformist, let, a, let alone radical policies to address the critical issues we face as a people and a community. And we do face critical issues because the people of Queensland need to understand that they will be the part of Australia that will be mostly affected by the climate emergency. They have the most to lose with the destruction of the tourist industry. They have the very most to, to lose. That's right. So what are we proposing? It's very simple. We have ideas, we have policies. And those of you who are wondering about the policies, well, I'll talk about that in a second. But we have ideas and policies. Now, our ideas are based on the fact that there is no major or minor political party in this country that is actually looking at the major flaws in our society that we face, which is increasing inequality, the fact that we don't need everybody to work in order for the country to go forward, and the fact that everybody is tied into this concept of having to work for a wage. 
So the proposals we put forward are radical but necessary. The proposal is simple. One, a basic living wage for everybody. Bang, every week in your account. If you were, if you decide to earn extra after that living wage, and many people will, then the more you earn, the less you get. And if you earn more than, uh, say, f- four times the living wage, then your taxation means that fifty thousand or sixty thousand dollars you were given is given back during at, at the taxation period. So, so, so how do you fund it? How do you fund a basic living wage? How do you ensure that everybody in society has the basic necessities of life? How do you ensure the problem of homelessness doesn't become an epidemic? How do we ensure that young children will be blighted by poverty for the rest of their lives because of their inability to receive an adequate public education? What we need is a whole new range of taxation options which go far beyond the minor reforms which were proposed and rejected by the Australian people, by the Australian Labor Party, which was to remove negative gearing. That's right, remove negative gearing just for investors who are purchasing old homes and to remove franking credits for anybody who was not on a some type of pension payment or part pension payment. What we propose is this, a 1% turnover tax for corporations turning over more than two or businesses turning over more than $2 million a year. For far too long, corporations, some of the most biggest multinational, transnational corporations on the planet, pay voluntary taxation. When you know, multi-billion dollar industries pay less tax than a taxpayer earning $100,000. You know there's a problem. You know there's a problem. With a turnover tax, nobody would be able to, you know, get out of it. Secondly, GST deductions. You buy something in the shop, you pay your GST, you don't get your GST back. But if a business buys something and pays GST, they claim that GST as a deduction. Deductions for GST should be removed for corporations or businesses with a turnover of of, uh, more than $2 million. That's another, another way to make billions of dollars. A 1% stock market turnover tax. That's right, a 1% stock market turnover tax. You buy and sell stocks and shares, you pay a 1% tax on every dollar spent. Whether the market goes up or down, it is a source of income. By introducing these three taxes, we could raise over 200 billion dollars per year that's right 
$200 billion. And those of you who say, oh, oh, everybody will go offshore. They won't go offshore because they need to make a buck. We could nationalise our natural resources. We could nationalise our national resources instead of allowing private corporations to mine the earth, pay Aboriginal people a pittance, pay the rest of the community a pittance, and then, you know, kind of splurge like the Yellow Brigade did at the last election, taxpayers' dollars, you begin to understand how ridiculous the situation is. We are one of the most mineral-rich countries on this planet. And we receive a peppercorn return. People say it creates jobs. It doesn't create jobs. The mining sector has less than 6% of the jobs in this country and that sector's jobs will decrease as mechanisation increases. Jobs are created by the service sector. Over 50% of all jobs are small businesses, people buying and selling to each other. That's where the jobs are. The jobs are in creating an alternative energy system which decreases carbon dioxide emissions and addresses the issue of climate change. That's where the jobs are. They're not in huge corporations, centralised corporations. They are not there. But we are told they are there. We are told the Adani mine is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And the people of Queensland ate it. Ate it. Ate the coal. Thinking it's going to create jobs and save them from the regional morass they find themselves in because of the policies of the National Party over the last four decades where they have embraced corporatisation and privatisation and deregulation and globalisation, and squeezed out tens of thousands of small farms and created these agricultural conglomerate, corporate conglomerates, which are sucking the rivers dry of the lifeblood of this country. It's water. So what's that opportunity I'm talking about? Well, I can see a crack in the wall. I can see a political void. I can see a ray of sunshine and I can see an opportunity to exploit this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I can see us planting a seed in that crack in the wall which the last federal election, last week's federal election has created. And that Seed is public interest before corporate interests. And those of you who have hung back because you think somehow it'll never work, that have hung back waiting to see whether it will succeed or not, that have hung back because you think there are other alternatives like the ALP and the Greens, think again. We need to plant that seed. And those of you who you know, are a little bit interested in archaeology, look at those forests in South America and those Mayan Aztec ruins. Look at Angkor Wat 
in Campuchia, and you will see the trees crack, the stones, the buildings, and they create a new, a new environment. And we can do exactly the same because there is now an opportunity for the creation of a broad-based, egalitarian, inclusive political grouping to act as an alternative to the exclusive reactionary parties and groups and movements that have been created in this country. As people point the finger at the other for the problems they have, not not at the domination of this country's culture. That's right, culture and economy by a small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. And if you want have any doubt about that, look at the propaganda that was spread out around this country through social media and the corporate-owned media to a significant degree. The Labor Party would introduce death taxes, death duties. The Labor Party would steal people's pensions, that self-funded retirees would be bankrupted. The only way self-funded retirees will be bankrupt is with the collapse of the stock market because over half of every self-funded retiree's investments are normally in the stock market. And as we saw in 1987 with the collapse of the stock market and the global financial crisis 11 years ago, what happens to superannuation deposits? The big boys and girls buy and sell before the crash. You're left to carry the can. And if you think some pathetic reformist initiative by the Australian Labor Party would somehow cause the earth to collapse. Think again. Because we are on that road. We are on a road. Slow, gradual decline. Economic decline, social decline, cultural decline. And we see it today. We see it today and it needs to be turned around. Well, it doesn't need to be turned around, but it would be nice to turn it around. Now, I'm not stupid enough or ignorant enough to think that public interest before corporate interest will ever be the government. But I am hopeful enough that if public interest before corporate interest is registered as a federal political party, that we will be able to influence the debate and pull the debate back into discussions about real equality amongst people, about addressing the growing divisions between the haves and the have-not, about pulling the debate away from individual gain, as we saw in the last election a few days ago, to the community benefit of introducing measures that will ensure that everybody who wants to live and work in this country whether it's a corporation or individual, pays their fair share of tax. That's what it's about. But in order to do that, we need to be registered as a federal political party and we need another 150 members on the electoral roll. So if you're interested, there's a number of things you can do. If you're not, you're not, but if you are, you are. There's a number of things you can do. You can go to the 
Pipsy website, pipsy.net. Download the application form, fill out the application form, email it back to info at pipsy.net. You can leave a message on 0439 395 489 and I will send you some application forms. If you haven't got a phone, then on the net, you can always write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. And those Pepsi members who are listening to this program are wondering what's happening regarding the Congress we had in March. Well, you should all be receiving uh, voting ballots and information and policies and and a number of um, number of uh, leaflets regarding uh, the AGM uh, nomination for executive positions in the mail in June and July. That's right, June. We've nearly got all the stamps we need to get the thing underway. Need a few hundred more. So if you can send us dollar stamps, if you wish, to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. That's Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. All right, let's move on. Everybody else has moved on. We need to move on. But as I said, this is not a time to panic. This is not a time for depression. This is not a time to be angry. This is not a, a time to, you know, blame people. What we saw is the logical consequences of a campaign which was based on lies, half-truths. That's what we saw. That's all we saw. Nothing has changed. The problems are still there. We still have governments that are not able to, and oppositions that are not able to address these fundamental problems that we face, from climate change, climate emergency, to the role of work, to taxation, the list goes on and on. We do have an opportunity. This is a once-in-a-generation moment. We can seize that moment over the next few months, or we can let it go by. And in three years' time, we can see the same lies the same innuendo, the same campaigns, the same inaction. So I am encouraging you to think about it. And if you are angry, you are annoyed, you feel cheated, think about the options. Think about joining public interest before corporate interest. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. Now, I'd just like to remind people about the Steps to a Home campaign, which has been... Uh, pushed along by public housing, everybody's business. Steps to a home. Now, we've been rallying outside the Victorian Parliament House for some time now. The next rally will be at uh, 8am on the 29th of May. But importantly, on the 21st of June, Friday the 21st of June, is the winter solstice. What is the winter solstice? It's the shortest day of the year and sometimes the coldest day of the year. And we'll be holding a 24-hour, that's right, a 24-hour vigil to which you are all invited to, especially if you've got a guitar or something, to entertain us during those 24 hours. From midnight, Friday the 21st of June, to midnight, Friday the 21st of June, that's right, midnight to midnight. And it's a practical way of highlighting the issue, not just of homelessness, but the issue of housing security. That's right. 
We had the Real Estate Institute around the country robocalling people, especially people who were renting, and they got the list of most of the renters telling them their rents would go up if negative gearing was removed. It's the other way around, boys and girls. Your rent goes down if negative gearing is removed and there is a strong public housing sector. It's a little bit like petrol stations competing for your business. If petrol at one Bowser is 132.9 and the other Bowser is 166.9, where are you going to go? It's the same with housing. Supply and demand, supply and demand. The missing ingredient in the equation as far as housing is concerned is a strong public housing sector. And every state in this country, especially Victoria and New South Wales, have been hell-bent on destroying the public housing sector and replacing it with a community and social housing sector which is based on profit or not-for-profit. doesn't matter. It's based on they're privately owned, not owned by the state, not there to provide accommodation, not just to people in desperate situations, but anybody who can't access a house, which was the original idea behind public housing. It wasn't for the desperate. It was for anybody who could not afford to enter the private housing market. So housing is a fundamental issue, both state and federal, over the next three years. Because irrespective of interest rate declines, stagnant wage growth will ensure that most Australians who don't own their home outright, and only about 30% of Australians own their own home outright, most of them are elderly, most Australians will be paying inflated repayment, repayments for an inflated property market. I mean, property prices increased by 500% over the last 20 years. That's an average. Some places a bit higher, some places a bit lower. So public housing is everybody's business. A strong public housing sector decreases rents. It decreases demand for private dwellings. If the demand decreases, rents decrease. If rents decrease at the lower end of the market, people are forced to sell their investment properties. If there is a glut of investment properties on the lower end of the market, prices fall. First home buyers can enter the market. So a strong public housing sector helps everybody. It even helps the investor. Because as profits increase, personal security decreases. Because unemployment increases. Desperation is increased. Crime increases. Family violence increases. So there is a social dividend for a strong public housing sector. But somehow the word public in this privatised world has become a dirty word. And the tragedy is as I've noticed being involved with public interest before corporate interest, is that most Australians don't even understand what the word public means. It means, to most people, second rate, no good. As if a private 
sector-dominated economy which gave you the Banking Royal Commission, which has given you the Aged Care Royal Commission, which has seen billions of dollars being channelled into the pockets of private organisations, some religious-based and not religious-based, to provide essential service which should be provided by the state which has seen hundreds of billions of dollars wasted by private corporations providing essential services, as we've seen in the electricity industry, the gas industry, which has been privatised to a significant degree across this country. So public housing is everybody's business. A strong public housing sector is essential for a strong society, for a safe society, for a secure society. It ensures that children get the education they need because they don't move from school to school to school as their parents are forced to move in the private rental market. Think about it. Join our campaign. Go to the Facebook page. Public housing, everybody's business. And if you can't do that, join us at 8am, 29th of May, Steps of the Victorian Parliament House. You ain't got an organisation in other parts of the world other parts of Australia, form one for, to protect and defend and extend public housing. Now, in terms of public interest before corporate interest, look, I'm going to make a big, 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 big undertaking. I'm happy, well, yeah, I am happy to speak at any public meeting called regarding public interest before corporate interest anywhere in this country. I will make the effort to get there. Whether it's in Melbourne, whether it's in Darwin, whether it's in Perth, whether it's in Sydney or Brisbane or Geraldton or Casino or Bega or, or, or um, Alice Springs or Timbuktu, well, not Timbuktu, Unadatta, Fagaminda, Mari, you name it. You organise the meeting, give me a call, we'll work out a mutually convenient date and I will make the effort to come there and speak about public interest before corporate interest. Because I believe that this issue is so critical. We have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to change the direction of this country, and we should seize that with both hands. My major concern was that the Labor Party would win the election. There'd be a mildest reformist agenda introduced and radical action would just dry up, would wither on the vine. While the election of a Morrison-led coalition government, a government with not the will for change, not the tools for change, who are hostages to that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution and exchange, who are hostages to the divided nation of the world, who are hostages to these two major uh, forces in our society, well then we are now in a great position to take advantage of the situation and extend the debate about what direction we should go in. Initially the debate and then the action. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Scott I'm hosting today's program. Now, I'd just like to remind you that Marbo Day occurs and Reconciliation Week occurs from the 26th of May to the 3rd of June. 
2019. Now in Melbourne we'll be celebrating Marbo Day, the 27th anniversary celebrations, at midday on the 3rd of June, which is a Monday, at Federation Square in Melbourne, the corner of Swanson and Flinders Street. You want more information? Go to the Anarchist Institute website, my Facebook pages, Toscano for the Public or Joseph Toscano, or the Ellen Jose uh, Memorial page. That's right. That's right. So we've got a lot of things coming up. But most importantly of all, we need you. Without you, we're just a voice in the wilderness. We're a voice sowing seeds on barren ground. The ground has now become more fertile. A coalition victory has fertilised the ground for change. We provide the seeds you need to plant that seed. And if you plant that seed, it's quite possible we can have a major impact on the direction that this country will move in in the next few years. So... Interested? Download the application form for Pipsy info, Pips info at pipsy.net. Go to the Facebook page, Toscano for the public. The Pipsy phone number, 0439 Nine five four eight nine. Leave a message and I'll get back to you in the next 24 hours. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Go to the Twitter stream, Tosca, uh, Pibsi, P-I-B-C-I, lowercase, underscore, A-U. Go to the YouTube channel, Toscana for the Public, and I'll be doing a YouTube presentation regarding uh, the current, the election result and what it means for us. Thank you for listening to the Anarchist World this week, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. I've been hosting today's program. Listen in to the Anarchist World this week, next week on your local community radio station. Grab that those three seeds that we have broadcast across the airwaves across this country. The ground is fertile. It is ready. We are ready for change. Plant that seed. Become active. Become involved. Become a member of that growing band of disillusioned people who are looking for major, radical, egalitarian, community-based change in our society. Thank you for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. That's right, your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. This program is podcast. You could access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Send the podcast to your local Member of Parliament. Make them shake in their boots. We are not lying down. We're on the road to change. Join us. Listen in to the Anarchist World this week, next week, via the Community Radio Network. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death.
death's construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger! You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.